Ohio Gazaimas, Kanichiwa and or Kanbanwa. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening for everybody listening. I got a new intro for you. This is my Bendy and podcast. I'm here streaming in Funabashi talking about my exploration in Japan. Enjoy. Sorry for all the intros and outros I've been making. I just really get bored on the trains, and uh, GarageBand is fun to mess around in. So, first, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I meant to post this earlier, um, but Allie and I had a sudden change of plans, which resulted in us not be well. We were out all day Saturday visiting the Kieran Brewery in Yokohama, so I didn't have time to make sure my podcast was put together the way that it should have been. But it kind of worked out because then it gave me a lot more to talk about this week and a lot more to go over that I think you will enjoy. Here's a lot of things I just have noticed and I've found and I've seen that I think pretty neat. Um... I did uh, actually want to flip things around. I wanted to start with some Q&A, some questions and answers. It has come to my attention that some questions were being asked, and I just completely missed them and or forgot about them. A better system of keeping them organized and keeping them tracked now, but I'm sorry if I missed any of your questions as you were uh, posting them or, or uh, you know, sending them my way. But uh, he, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm doing the best I can. I'm a busy boy. I'm trying to do all the things. Cheryl. My good friend Matt from Australia. So he asked me this like actually two, two and a half weeks ago. I think it must have been by now. Um, and his question was, Japanese people have historically had issues with tattoos because of association with Yakuza, an organized crime. Is that still a prominent opinion slash how this affect tattoo travelers? Easy answer, totally. It is still a major thing. Uh, metropolitan areas like Tokyo sees a lot of tourists and a lot of tourists with tattoos but there are a lot of restaurants and especially like onsens and sentos. So those are the, the um, public spas and public bathhouses that will not let you in if you have tattoos. There are ones that you can find that'll let you in with tattoos. Um, and they're not, they're not all run by the Yakuza either. They're just some places that want to make more money and let those uh, tourists have that experience. Um, but a lot of places are very, very, very particular about it. Now, if you're able to hide them somehow, good luck. Um, because you can't, it's not like makeup will just come off and you can't wear, like, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe you can wear a shirt. But in my experience, whenever I've gone in Onsen or Sento, I, I don't see anybody with tattoos and there's very, very blatant signs that are like, you cannot have tattoos. And they even ask me, do you have tattoos? And I go, no. Job-wise, uh, the it, it, it question comes up all the time, all the time. 
in all the interviews I've been doing. So uh, I've been doing a lot of interviews and uh, a lot of applications for different things here in Japan. And yeah, there, there is hands down the notion of tattoos being correlated to the Yakuza. That's just the way the culture works. Uh, no, yeah, it is. It's just ingrained. The Yakuza really, they've been predominant for a long time now. Their membership is, is dwindling year by year from what we can tell and what numbers that were being given. Um, so, but that, that is just that idea of them being covered in tattoos and what the tattoos mean for them. And the tattoos are hand tapped with ink. So it's a very long, painful process. And I mean, they're beautiful though. They're like works of art. They, they are, but there is that notion of if you have tattoos, you're some kind of criminal. And that has not broken free. Now, some people do just, right. I'll see regular Japanese people with non-Yakuza-related tattoos. Like, they'll, they'll have, like, tribal stripes, you know, how people get those, um, and flowers. But, but again, very few and far between. And usually the people who I see that are dressing like that are, or have tattoos, they're also dressed kind of like hip-hoppy, baggy clothes, you know, that kind of, you get that vibe from them, that they're... You know, kind of like, screw the police. You know, I'm my own person. I have my own rules. Um, <laughs> long story short, Yakuza, still in Japan. Tattoos, still very t- uh, tightly related to the Yakuza. So if you have tattoos, if you're in Tokyo, you can find an onsen. You can find a sento to go to. It's just not going to be the easiest thing, and you might end up paying more money than somewhere where you don't have tattoos. Like I have an onsen right down my street, and it's only 700 yen for me to use the onsen for as long as I want. Whereas like where Ali is closer to Tokyo, hers is 1,500 yen. Still like, and, but both of them don't allow tattoos. I'm going to make that clear. So if you have tattoos and you come to Japan and you really want to do an onsen, one of my recommendations is do some research, find out where they're where they're going to be, so that you can go to them and you can enjoy them. Alternatively, there are hotels and resorts and like spa resorts kind of things, spring resorts I should say, where you can purchase your own room that has your own mini onsen, that has your own little like natural spring hot tub. Again, that's getting kind of pricey, so that's up to your discretion what you want to do. Um, so thanks again, Matt, for that question. I'm sorry it took me so long to answer. Uh, Nicole, Japanese travel etiquette. So, um, she asked me to talk about kind of the research and what I did in terms of, uh, figuring on what etiquette's like in Japan and what that process is like and kind of what I've learned. So... Sorry, I had something on my nose. So if it gets real rankly just then, it's because I had stuff in my nose. Etiquette in Japan is very important. They are very proud people, and they just have a lot of ingrained... A lot of ingrained customs and etiquette that they just follow. So... I, super simple, just looked up, you know, Japanese etiquette, you know, things to know, visiting Japan, 
um, rules, manners. Manners is a big one. Uh, so just being polite, not being super loud on the subway. You can have quite, you know, you can have quiet conversations, but you're really trying to keep it down as best you can. Um, the, another thing is you don't listen to, you don't take phone calls, you don't listen to music without headphones. Now, conversations, you don't have cell phone conversations on the train, period. I have seen one person talking to somebody on the phone, and this person was right up against the double doors, kind of whispering to himself in the phone. And whenever they would, we would stop at a station, he would just jump out, regardless of if anybody was waiting. He would jump out, have his conversation. When he heard the chime that the doors were going to close, he'd jump back in. So trying to be as, as polite as possible in those circumstances. People walking on the street, you'll see them talking cell phones. But again, people typically try to, you know, move out of the way. You know, it's not something where they're just like talking real loud, you know, with the Bluetooth headset in. And they're just like, yeah, Charlie, these numbers are off the charts. And, you know, you need to make sure that we liquidate all these things and, and make sure to fire Barbara because she lost that account. You know, as they're chewing gum and spitting and all that stuff. You, you don't see that here. That's not really a thing that I, I, I've personally seen. Maybe I've seen some uh, foreigners doing it, but nobody who's native to Japan. If they're having a like, people riding their bike, they'll actually take their bike off the sidewalk or off the road, and they'll kind of go off to the side. People will huddle by vending machines because vending machines are everywhere. And again, just try to get themselves out of the way and so they're not exposing all these people to this conversation regardless of whether or not the content is something that's very private um, for them to talk about. Other things for etiquette, know how to use chopsticks. Know how to use chopsticks. A lot of places you can potentially get forks and knives and stuff. Um, there are a lot of restaurants that have those if you if you ask for them. Just like if you ask for an English menu, a lot of places will provide one, especially in Tokyo. But there's Specific things you're not supposed to do with chopsticks. So you're not supposed to stick your chopsticks in a bowl of rice standing up because that is what people do during funerals. And so it is, uh, that's a no-no. So if you ever kind of put your chopsticks in rice, kind of hold them in place, no. You can fold up something, use an actual chopstick stand if you're resting your chopsticks on something. If you're eating ramen, you're supposed to slurp. That lets uh, everybody know that you're enjoying it. So... <laughs> It's really fun. Um, I really enjoy it because Allie is very sensitive to a lot of noises, like sniffing, coughing, pretty much all the noises, chewing, uh, sniffling, coughing, blowing your nose, slurping, gulping. A lot of, a lot of people are, and I, I've gotten – I notice it more often, so it bothers me too. don't want to single out my wife too much. She doesn't listen to these anyway, so it's fine. Oh, God, I hope she doesn't listen to this episode now. Oh, God. Uh, nobody tell her I said that. <laughs> but slurping is, it's a way that, you know, you, you let the, 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 the chef know that you're enjoying it and it tastes really good. There are a lot of things you can say, like, and, you know, thank you so much for this meal. And then you'll go ahead and you'll, you'll gorge yourself. Sushi, uh, when you're eating sushi, you're not supposed to dip the rice in the soy sauce. You're actually supposed to flip it over. So if you're getting a piece of like nigiri where you have the like salmon on top and then the ball of rice, you go ahead and you actually flip the salmon over, dip the fish in the soy sauce, and then take a bite. You can use your fingers to eat sushi. That's not forbidden. Um, a lot of people do it because it's easier uh, to maneuver and everything than with the chopsticks because some of the fish is just naturally a little bit more slippery and, and all that 
good stuff. Uh, sushi chefs, you don't order them around. So when Allie and I, uh, Allie and I have been to a couple places and sometimes we're with some foreigners and um, fellow foreigners and they'll ask the sushi chef for drinks and stuff. Really, the sushi chefs are just preparing sushi for the most part. Um, and there's supposed to be a certain amount of respect. And then they have other waiters and waitresses and servers that, well, you can stop and you can ask for, for drinks. So again, it's a lot of little things like this that you, just, you also just pick up on them too. Um, but it really just boils down to not making a donkey of yourself <laughs> and just being polite and respectful. And again, you pick up on a lot, a lot of this stuff you just naturally pick up on because you're here. Uh, you don't make eye contact with people walking by. Um, and if you do, because a lot of us, if we're walking in the street and we make eye contact, you'd be like, hello, good morning. Even if you don't know the person, no, you just, you just pretend like it didn't happen. Same thing with if somebody sneezes or something. Pretend like it didn't happen. Yawning super offensive, so you don't want to be yawning um, when you're talking to anybody or anything um, because that shows you know disinterest and that you don't care. What else? Exchanging money, credit cards. You're supposed to hold it in both hands, so you hold your credit card with both of your thumbs and your index fingers, and you you pass that over, and they usually take it in two hands as well. Um, that's pretty forgivable though. It's not a huge, huge thing. Uh, but again, if you want to just be more polite, that's something that you can do, uh, to be more polite in Japan. But just being respectful of everything. There are a lot of, there's a lot of etiquette when you go to shrines, uh, Buddhist shrines or Shinto shrines or Shinto shrines, for example, when you go in, there's actually a basin, I forget what it's called, but there's a basin of water and you're supposed to rinse both of your hands off. Traditionally, you would rinse both of your hands, take a little bit in your mouth, spit out the water, and then you'd clean the the spoon with the rest of the water. That's that's you know, kind of the spoon and kind of the ladle. And that's you cleansing yourself before you go and pray to the gods uh, or the god of that shrine. Uh, there are tori gates. So tori gates are the, the kind of the red gates that you'll see. I posted uh, quite a few pictures about them on my Instagram. Make sure you're following so you get all that content. It's good content. Um, yeah, so those gates... Um, they kind of work as that transitional space into the shrine, into the sacred area. And you're not supposed to walk in the center. You're supposed to walk to the right or the left side of that gate because the center is for the gods. That is, the, the gods walk through the center of the gates, not, not mere mortals. A lot of this stuff, just Googled it. I was able to find it. Really didn't have to do a lot of research per se. I knew some of the stuff just from my interest with Japanese culture over, over the years. But again, it is something when I am following it, there are times that people notice and I can see them smiling and they appreciate it. Try to know some Japanese. Try to know Sumimasan, excuse me. Um, just even little things like if you go somewhere and you ask them, you know, Egoga, Wakaremasu ka? You know, do you know English? They will be they, they appreciate it a lot, and it's fun because when we were at the Kieran Brewery, there Ali and I were trying to take selfies with the Kieran sign, and it was actually one of the um, I, I want to say kind of like security guards. It was it was a woman. And she uh, came over, 
And Allie asked her in Japanese, can you take a picture for us? I don't remember what it is. Allie's better than me with Japanese, to be honest. So Allie asked her that, and she was so excited. And then she was trying to speak with us in English as we were trying to speak with her in Japanese. And it was just fun because we were both talking and she was like, oh, you, you know, your Japanese is so good. My English is bad. And we're like, no, your English is great. And she's like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's just really nice. People appreciate it. You trying to know the language. And it can be like for me, I get kind of anxious about it still where I'm just worried about saying it wrong or saying it incorrectly, but it really just boils down to you're trying. They appreciate it. They know what you're trying to say. Uh, if you want to order a drink, knowing what to say, you know, on the gashimas for please, if you're ordering drinks or something. Um, so yeah, just if you're, if you're planning on coming to Japan, whether it's visiting Allie and I, or just because you we want to visit at some point in your life, etiquette's important. Manners are important here. Um, but you really just have to do a little bit of research, not a lot. And again, if you can get some survival phrases down pat and just some polite turn of phrase, it will help you out leaps and bounds. It really will. Plus, it's fun. It's fun to know a little bit of a different language. It can make navigating a little bit more fun. And if you do get lost, you can get back home instead of being lost for real. Because being lost for real will not be good. Yo, go, um... Kieran Brewery, so excited right now. Allie and I were, she had a three-day weekend, and I had a two-day weekend before I started work today, actually. And, well, I, it's a class, it's not technically, it, it doesn't matter. So I, I had a instructional qualification process thing today that I had to go to. It, it doesn't matter. Try to think of something to do, and we were going to go to this really pretty city about an hour and a half, two hours away from Tokyo by train. And it's got this huge Buddha statue, and it's right on the coast, and there's like a lighthouse and aquarium, and tons, tons of Buddhist and Shinto shrines to visit. Uh, it's called like Little Kyoto, super cute. And Allie and I were super excited. We're like, yeah, you know, maybe we'll rent a hotel room. We'll just spend the night. It'll be so fun. We're going to love it. It'll be so cute because neither of us always have, we don't necessarily get to spend a lot of time with each other, all things considered. And sometimes, you know, especially in the coming weeks, once um, Allie's work kind of situation kind of ramps up and uh, my stuff with work ramps up, uh, we might not be able to take these kind of trips. Our schedules might not align. So that's just something that we were looking at. And I cannot for the life of me remember what this place was. Uh, Kamakura. Isn't that what it was? Kamakura? Yeah! I found it. I found it. So the area we were going to visit was called Kamakura. And it's got like a beach. It's supposed to be super nice. Day of. Allie had a late start. I ended up having a bit of a late start. I left my Wi-Fi at my apartment, so I had to turn around when I got to the station. Just one thing after another. Plus, the Friday and Saturday, a big old cold fronty thing came through, or rather Saturday, Sunday. So, like, it was almost 70 degrees for, like, two days last week. 
And then Saturday, it was the high was 48. It was cloudy and windy. When I was walking out of my apartment, it was hailing. And then it turned to rain. And then it turned back to hail and then back to rain. It was just not the best. And the forecast was pretty much the same where we were going. It was actually going to be a little bit colder in Kamakura, Kamakura rather than Tokyo. So we met up at Tokyo Station and thought about, you know what, is this really the, you know, is this going to be the best thing? Is this what we're going to use for a time in alley? Was, she got the station a little bit earlier than me, and she came up with a great idea. Well, why don't we go to Yokohama? There's a Kirin Brewery there, and we can just, you know, walk around. We, we really like to just go places. We go on the train, go somewhere, and actually get lost. And then we just use our phones to get back home. Uh, it, it's been so much fun. We, we stumble across the coolest things the prettiest bridges, the most beautiful shrines, and we get to say hi, we get to meet some cool people. It's just, I would encourage doing that. Just going somewhere, getting lost, thanks to technology, you can get right back home pretty easily, back on track. You're not actually ever truly lost. Um, if you have, you know, your phone with you with a charger, just in case the battery dies, and your Wi-Fi and a charger just in case its battery dies. So went to Yokohama, still rainy a little bit and stuff, but it was so much fun. We just started walking, we were just, you know, walking and talking, and we went to this underground mall for a little bit and just kind of shopped around to heat up. We saw some, like, mayoral candidate greeting people in the station, and that was funny. He had you know, this huge sash, and he was just waving his hands, you know, shaking people's hands. <laughs> so that was kind of fun to see. And we just explored. We just walked around. And it was so nice. We just walked around Yokohama for about an hour and a half. Just looking what's around. We, we went down a street and it was all the... Because Yokohama is a, a, a port city and so it has a lot of fishing. And it's an entire road of all of these either fishermen or they're just the sellers... And they're just rinsing off all this stuff because this is in the early afternoon. So they'd already sold everything. Uh, and they were just, you know, rinsing all their stuff out in the streets in, you know, their big old galoshes and rubber aprons. That was kind of neat to see them just getting cleaned up. I mean, it was just beautiful. I'm not sure if there was some kind of special shrine tour or something, but we were just stumbling across all these Buddhist and Shinto shrines. And there were all these people who we kept seeing them, and they had these pamphlets, and we kept seeing them at all these shrines, and we're like, we're just stumbling across these, but I guess there's an actual, like, way to go around. So that was neat. But the piece de la resistance is going to be the Kirin Brewery. But I'm actually going to take a quick break here, and I don't know, play some music or something. Because you all deserve a break from my voice for two seconds. Maybe we'll do a sponsored segment. I don't know. I don't know if I have any sponsors yet, but if I do, there might be one right here. So, there you go. Alright. So, um, I'm not sure if there was a sponsorship in there. Uh, if there was, cool. If there wasn't, cool. Here in Brewery Time. Moment you've all been waiting for. So cool. It was... Uh, it was so much fun. So the Kirin plant in Yokohama is actually the original one for Kirin. 
they started it in the 1800s actually in that same area and it actually had a different Spring Valley Brewing Company I believe is what it was called back then or the guy who first started it because essentially <laughs> here's how I'll start I haven't gone to a commercial brewery of this size except for maybe Yingling in the US Allie and I both really like beer we like craft beer we brew on beer we go on brewery tours as often as we can just because it's a fun activity for us to do and usually they come with samples and stuff and it's just fun it's a good it's a fun date if uh, you both drink beer and you both like beer and you learn about the history of the brewery itself and their brewing process and where the, all their ingredients come from. It's just a very wholesome experience and something we share together and we really enjoy. Yingling in Pennsylvania was the largest like commercial brewery I've gone to. But Kieran, the scale, it's more like a you know Budweiser kind of kind of deal for sure going on. So nothing, nothing of 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 Kieran scale had I ever visited or Allie. So we get there and we see it and we're like, oh my God, this place is so pretty. So we walk on up and we go to through these double doors and there are these, all these Japanese women and they almost look like flight attendants in the little uniforms. So uh, very kawaii. They come over and they go, you know, how can I help you? You know, what's going on? And they go, oh, we're just wondering, you know, we just want to take a look around and they're like, okay, well, this is tours only. You can go to the shop around the building here, or you can go to another uh, restaurant and craft brewery that's still on this property as well that we own, or you can go to this other restaurant that has traditional Japanese barbecue, um, or you can just walk around our garden. Um, and we were like, oh, okay, so sorry. So um, do you have any tours by any chance? Now, I had looked online, and they said they had no tours. They had filled all the spots. They had no tours left. So Allie goes over and she goes, well, can you check to see if you have any tours? And he says, oh, yeah, of course. So she goes over and she goes, okay, we have a tour for the two of you can go on. It's not until 3.20. At this time, it was about, I don't know, maybe 1.30 or so. So it wasn't until 3.20. And we went, oh, okay. And Allie was like, well, how much does it cost? And I'm like, oh, no, it's free, free. Well, sweet. If it's a free tour, you know, we'll walk around, maybe grab something to eat. And that's exactly what we did. So we got signed up for the tour, filled out a little application thing. This was nice. We, we had to put down our names, our ages, um, how many of us were in the party. And we had to write down, were we driving, taking a train, walking, any of those, so that they could track who was driving and who wasn't. I'll get back to that in a little while. So we are all signed up for the tour. We're all super excited because we're like, free Kieran Brewery Tour. This is what I'm talking about. Japan is awesome. So we walk around the garden. Super pretty. We walk into where the shop is. And the shop is also, uh, the gift shop is also where the tour lets out. And we see that they have all these taps. And we're like, oh, cool. You get a sample beer at the end of the tour. This is going to be great. And we're looking at all the merchandise. And there's some cool merchandise. It's real cute. They got, you know, shirts, coasters, posters bookmarks and other things pretty pretty reasonably priced they didn't have a tap handle though so i was kind of bummed about that because that's something i collect as tap handles oh well i'm sure i can find one on ebay if i'm really really dying for it we leave explore the garden some more see some pretty flowers walk all around their grounds we probably cover that in maybe half an hour 40 minutes so we go to a little craft brewery that's just you know 100 yards from that main lobby area we were in. 
not very far away. And it's super cute. It's a brick building. It's like rustic-y with wooden floors. And we go in and it, this is this is owned by Kieran. It's owned by the Kieran Brewing Company. But this is where they do like craft beers, kind of more Americanized craft beer culture went into this brewery that they had. So they had uh, six flagship beers to choose from. They had, you know, um, a raspberry kind of like a framboise. They had a deep smoky porter uh, daydream, which was almost like a Belgian white. They they didn't call it that, but it was it leaned more that way. I thought. Then they had a you know a lager, a pilsner, uh, uh, IPA. We ended up sampling them all throughout the course of the night because we went we went to this place twice, once before and then once after the tour. When we were there before the tour, we just got a little salad, or no, we got prosciutto, prosciutto uh, with a watercress salad. That was it was just plain watercress. It was so fresh and nice and light, and the prosciutto was nice and salty, and it's not something you can find all the time here in Japan because they don't really do like deli meats and stuff. That's not really like their thing. But it was so good. Oh, oh. Mm -hmm. That was nice. I mean, just relaxed for a bit. It was cold outside, so we kind of heated up and got a look at their menu. And we decided, you know, we should come back here for dinner afterwards. It'll be really nice. So we go on the brewery tour. Now, brewery tour was only in Japanese. They do not do English tours. So what was nice is they gave us a laminated... It was like a, a bunch of big index cards that were all in a, a ring together, and they were all laminated. And they had little blurbs in English about what they were talking about with pictures, so you knew at what point in the tour they were talking about what. Then if there were any videos that we watched, which there were quite a few of, those all had English captions or English subtitles, which made it very easy to understand what was going on. So they start out, you go to this big old room, this big old room. And they talk about the history, how they started in the you know late 1800s. You know, Westerners came over, and that whole culture came over, and with them came, you know, malts and hops, and they started. They wanted beer as they were in Japan, so naturally they they started their own brewery, and then it just kind of exploded from there. Beer culture just exploded, and uh, I've learned a lot of stuff I, I I didn't know. I didn't know about them. We went through the brewery process, you know, water, yeast, hops, malt, barley, whatever. They go over all those, but it was just really, you know, the one room where they're talking about the, you know, the the water ton, the mash ton, um, and everything. They had they actually turned off all the lights and then they did the projection on the center of the floor because they had the flooring was right at the top of all of these different all the equipment, so. Um, you really just saw the tops of all of these, you know, huge systems. But they had all the lights turned on and then they had a projector, which projected what the process would look like in that machine. And so they're like filling it with water and spinning around. And it was such a smart way to do it. Then we got to sample their um, wart. We, uh, they actually do uh, two. Um, they just do a, the, you know, the primary. They have the wart, and then they do kind of like that primary pull. I'm blanking on what it's called, but they do two pulls of the, the, the malts and 
So they have two different warts, one that's really, really strong and sweet, and the other one that's not. At this point, there's no booze, so everybody got to sample it. It was really nice. Of course, we went through, we got to, like, taste some barley. We got to... We got to taste some, um, you know, we got to smell their hops that they use. Waka, waka, waka. So it's a pretty standard tour. It was just very technologically advanced in places, like something I haven't really experienced. Uh, it was kind of fun, too. They had all these cute things going on. So we went to this one room where they projected onto this table. And, you know, we zoomed in on what's happening is the yeast is eating the sugars and creating alcohol. And so you would have to... They had the projector down on the table, and you would create a, a like a teardrop, like a they said a droplet of beer, in your hand. And then when you had that over the table, it would register that that shape, and then a drop would suddenly appear on the table, and then you would watch the process of the yeast eating the sugars and becoming alcohol. It was just a really cute little infographic of these little Pac-Man things kind of eating the eating the sugar. It was cute. They go through and they watch you know, their canning line, their bottling line. They have a whole so there's a classroom experience that you can sign up for, where you actually brew a batch of your own beer uh, along with a brewers, and so it's tons of people in this class. And once you're done brewing, they'll actually send you your beer in however many weeks after it's done. So I think it was like six weeks later they send you the beer. And you have your own labels on them that says, like, this is your beer. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm so cool. I thought that was fun, though. That was neat. That was neato bandido. Then the best part of the tour. Oh, my God. We get downstairs. We get where the gift shop is. We get where they have the taps. They have three taps for Kirin Ichiban, which is their flagship beer. And they had two taps for their premium. And then they had their seasonal and a can. And we got to try three full beers for free. You heard it. You heard it right, folks. They gave us a little snacks. So we had something to snacky snack on. So we didn't, you know, get too wasty. And, you know, their beer sizes are a little bit different. So, you know, they were... Slightly smaller than maybe a 12-ounce can. Actually, it depends. How many, how many milliliters is this? And it doesn't matter. They were they were all a little bit smaller, but effectively, it was at least like two and a half beers, I would say, that we got to sample. And they gave us 20 minutes. So, okay, you have 20 minutes to sample three, up to three beers. And we were like, okay. So we do that, and we just enjoy ourselves, and we're talking to people, and you know they're talking to us because we're, we're Americans, and they usually are like, where are you from? Why are you here? What's going on? I had my uh, green alien backpack from Toy Story, and so everybody's like, oh, kawaii. They really like that one, so it's always fun to bring that one around. Kawaii means cute, by the way. Uh, I think I talked about that the other week. But So we were done there, and then we decided to go back, and we got dinner, and we got this delicious... This is honestly one of my favorite salads hands down the best kale salad i've ever had that's right you heard it right kale salad and i enjoyed it but it had a great vinaigrette and everything was covered in the vinaigrette so it wasn't i don't know if they blanched the kale a little bit i honestly no they didn't they didn't they didn't at all it was kale but it was just nicely covered in this vinaigrette and they had the best smoked chicken i've had in a long time and it was so smoky, and they had them in these little strips, 
and when you would get one of those and they had pomegranate in there and some like quinoa and we would get all that stuff together oh, just it really came together really really nicely they made a really nice meat platter uh, for us to split that had steak pork and chicken and the chicken had like herbs de provence and you know garlic powder and it was just very very moist and the skin on top was very crispy and they sat all this meat on top of french fries and so as all the fat and everything dripped off of the meats, they got all over the French fries, and it was so good. They had a slaw, a coleslaw that they made that was just very light, which was good because it was very balanced. Then it wasn't very vinegary. It was kind of sweet, actually. But again, with all the salt and the savoriness and all the fats, it was a nice, nice bright component of that of that dish. And it, it was so good. It was one, sadly one, one of the best meals I've had so far just because it was also something I've been craving. It's kind of like was a little bit of a taste of home. That whole that whole setup of that secondary brewery is kind of like a big old taste of home. So that was a lot of fun. And then we, you know, were able to just go home and relax and just feel really great about having a really fun time. And it was a complete surprise. I guess moral of the story is have more moments like that for yourselves uh, if you can in life. Because we just get lost and we just fly by the seat of our pants and we're just going places and you know this place sounds cool let's go here and we just find ourselves in the best situations and in places that we never thought we would be and it's so much fun it's so much fun you gotta do it you gotta do it and that's gonna be the end of that oh uh, yeah snickety snackety update time with a little booze, booze, blast, booze, booze. So booze, blast, was Kieran. But now I'll talk about the beers. So you got the Kieran Chaban, your, your flagship. It's like, uh, it's, it's good. Um, especially on draft at the factory, you know, it's very crisp. It's like a Pilsner. It's nice, but the flavor's a little bit more developed than something like a Coors or something. Because, again, this is a very popular beer. Um, then they had their seasonal, which I forget what it's called, but it's their spring seasonal. And that it had nice citrus notes that came through um, above the base of, of just like a regular Pilsner. And then they had their premium. Their premium is more like a traditional lager, so it was a little bit darker. Uh, and that was really nice, too, all things considered. Now, over at the little microbrewery that they have there, their little craft brewery. The six beers that we had there were awesome. The Pilsner was a Pilsner, sure. Their IPA, even on the thing, they were like, is it an IPA? Is it an APA? Is it an IPL? And I was like, why are you giving me all these choices? It should really be defined as something. But it, it kind of wiggled its way around in that area. It was nice and hoppy and up front, and that was that was really good. The porter that they had, they said it wasn't smoky, but it was definitely, you got those ch chocolatey notes, a little bit of that smoke burniness that comes with those those uh, really almost charred <laughs> um, malts that you put in, you put in there. Uh, the framboise, they're like jazzberry, it's like a raspberry, whatever. That, it was a fruity light beer, but you know it was it was it was pretty nice. It wasn't super sweet, which was which was very good. It was fruity, but not sweet. Uh, personally, I don't mind a fruit beer. 
if it's not super sweet. If it's just fruity, that's awesome. But not like hot fruity, like it's still actually like fruit fruity. And then they had that kind of like Belgian. I forget what they classified it as, but it's definitely like a nice cloudy Belgian. Oh, that was great too. So there you go. There's a little update ski. I know I have a request to do sake, and I was trying to look up some sake breweries, but sake breweries are all up in the mountains, and they're like three hours away by train, and it's like 50, 60 bucks round trip to go visit them, and they don't all even offer tours. Oh, it's something I'll look into for sure. But uh, this is going to bring this episode to a close. I hope you all enjoyed. Again, I'm sorry this one kind of didn't happen on time, but I hope it's worth it. I will try to be much, much better uh, this coming week. I will be honest, this coming week is kind of hectic for me. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I have to do. So if anything, it might be a shorter episode, and I might not do a um, food, little food thingy-majig this week just because things are – my schedule's kind of shifting a little bit, and I'm not sure when exactly I have to be available for what. Uh, so just as a little heads up. But as always, make sure you're following me on Instagram so you know what's going on day to day. I try to post at least a picture a day kind of talking about what's going on or somewhere that I visited or something. Um, please share, follow, like, subscribe, and feel free to send me some messages if you have any questions for anything. Uh, thank you all. Have a great night. Uh, see you later.